This is the Eagle Air broadcast of Virtual Winthrop Day. I'm Joseph Casco alongside Mark Nortz. And we're joined now by Casey Ferry. She's a licensed attorney in both North and South Carolina and a 2009 graduate of Winthrop. Casey, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. I, the first thing we want to ask you is tell us your Winthrop story. How'd you end up at Winthrop? And, uh, you know, what was your experience like? Yeah, so I I actually can remember really clearly um, my Winthrop day and going uh, with my mom. And, of course, it's going to look a little bit different this year for 2020 students um, and admitted students. But I um, when I took a tour of Winthrop's campus, um, it was one of the first college tours that I took. And, you know, it sounds very cliche, but it felt right the first time I walk, walked around campus. Um, there was just a feeling that I had of belonging, uh, met some professors, met some other students, and everyone just seemed uh, so genuine, and the campus was stunningly beautiful. I think I did my tour in the spring, uh, and I actually didn't end up applying anywhere else other than Winthrop, and uh, the rest was history. So, What did you major in while at Winthrop that helped you, you know, prepare for moving on to law school? My major was English literature and language, and I also had a minor in political science. Um, I will say that along the way, as some elective courses, I took some um, basic business and finance courses. Um, if I had to do it over again, I probably would have taken more of those as electives as well to prepare for law school. Um, but otherwise, I had a, a liberal arts uh, degree. Casey, um, just looking at your bio and everything, you've got a lot of experience and. In, in the field, um, was there one experience at Winthrop that that stood out? Was there a special class or an event that you went to that that kind of like you know you look back and it's a very fond memory of of your time at Winthrop University? Yeah, I so a couple of things. Uh, I will I will say probably the best memory that I have uh, from Winthrop, aside from from meeting and 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 ending up married to my husband, <laughs> we met uh, at Winthrop. He's not in the same year as me. But aside from that, of course, um, I studied abroad when I was a second semester junior at Winthrop. I studied abroad in uh, at Edge Hill University in Ormskirk, uh, England, which is just outside of Liverpool. Uh, it was a wonderful experience. I had never been outside of the country prior to that experience. I'm a first-generation college student, so um, that was, you know, traveling internationally, growing up and being exposed to that was just not a part of my background. Um, but, you know, ended up jumping into the study abroad program, had a wonderful experience, and it quite literally changed my life um, from there on out. So over the past 10 years or so, um, my husband and I have traveled internationally, I believe, every single year uh, since then together, it really sort of um, sparked our interest in travel and love for other cultures and I would not have had that, but for Winthrop. So I would encourage other students, you know, even if you've never traveled abroad before or you think that's something that you can't afford or, you know, to look into that because um, there are so many opportunities uh, and you can study abroad, you know, just by paying your same Winthrop tuition rate and have this uh, life-changing, literally, experience. Um, so that would be one for me, that really stands out. Uh, and the others are just the relationships that I built, not not only with other students, uh, but with faculty and staff members. I was very involved uh, in other organizations when I was at Winthrop, um, student government, um, you know, in different alumni associations. I was a Winthrop ambassador and gave tours myself. Um, 
different clubs and organizations that were attributed to my major. And uh, I think, you know, Winthrop stands out in my mind as being really unique in that you aren't just a number. That sounds very cliche too, but, um, you know, the professors who are there and even staff members are so willing and, and really want to, to establish and build those relationships with you. And, and I always tell students now, you know, to find those people who want to be vested in your success. And I think there are plenty of those to be had at Winthrop. I still have mentors and relationships with both professors and staff members from my undergraduate days um, that I still talk to at least on a monthly basis. Honestly, now, you know, more than 10, 15 years later, um, and maintain relationships with those. So uh, it's something that I have not experienced, I will say, at any other institution, including, um, you know, institutions that I've taken coursework at, even even post-Winthrop. You, you mentioned earlier that um, you took some, uh, some business classes and they were very important to you. Well, how did those business classes help you um, in your career you have now? I really, I think taking business classes is elective, although it certainly sounds more fun to take, you know, um, classes through the West Center or, um, you know, just things that are extracurricular in nature, sound, all those sound fun, and they are, and you should do that too, but um, the business classes were particularly helpful because I don't think that I really realized as a college student, I certainly do now, which is why I say I would have taken more, um, is that no matter what you do, what your skill is, what your trade is, what your profession profession is, it's all a business, right? So I'm an attorney and I practice law day by day and I walk into a courtroom um, or I'm meeting with a client or I'm doing whatever it is that I do on a day-to-day basis. Um, But I still am a business owner when I'm a partner in a law firm, right? I still have to know how to manage staff. Um, I still have to know how to market myself and my services as an attorney. I still need to know how to manage the everyday operations of my law practice. Um, And all of those are really important. And, you know, at least in the legal profession, they don't really teach you how to do that in in law school. They teach you how to be a lawyer, but they don't teach you how to run and manage a small business. Uh, And so that coursework ended up being very beneficial, um, even at a basic level in undergrad. You're listening to the Eagle Air broadcast of virtual Winthrop Day. Joseph Casco and Mark Nortz here with you, and we're speaking with Casey Ferry, a 2009 graduate of Winthrop University, and she's an attorney with Crisp Cherry McCraw in Charlotte. Casey, you mentioned a moment ago about being a first-generation college student. We certainly have a high percentage of those types of students here at Winthrop, and, and we know statistically that sometimes, you know, not having the background of, of parents or other family members who have the experience to offer advice of being a college student, talk about that experience for you as a first-generation student and, and some of the resources that were available to you at Winthrop that helped you get through that. Yeah, I, um, I so first of all, I will say that I think Winthrop is a great place to be for a first-generation college student. And I say that based on my own experience and that, you know, larger universities are wonderful for lots of reasons, and they certainly work well um, for certain personality types. For me, I think as a, as a first-generation college student, I think I may maybe would have gotten a little bit lost in the numbers, quite frankly, if I had gone to a larger institution. Um, Winthrop has a support system there. And again, you know, I'll start to sound like a broken record of just the the genuine interest levels from your professors and from staff members, um, you know, people who are working in admissions, people who are working um, in alumni relations even, who have such a genuine interest 
um, in helping you succeed as a student. And that was really crucial for me during my time at Winthrop. It is difficult because you don't have that parent or that family member to call and say, well, what was life like when you were in college? They have no idea. You know, they may be very successful in their own right um, some, through some other way, but they don't have that experience to share. Um, so my advice to those other first-generation students, and, and one of the things that I think made all the difference for me is to reach out to people. You know, you'd, you'd be surprised when you reach out to your professor and just let them know, hey, I'm a first-generation college student. I've never done this before, and I want to be successful in your class. Do you have any advice for me? You know, check in. As a professor, um, you know, they're going to really value and appreciate that. I know students I teach now, I teach other attorneys, um, I you know, in CLEs, and work with and mentor other students, both undergrad and in law students. And you'd be shocked how many times I stand at the front of a classroom or meeting or any presentation that I give. And I say, here's my card, you know, please email me, please call me if you have questions. And I say that because I genuinely mean that. And so very few students actually do that. Um, and I did that as a student. And I do really think that that made all the difference for me. I, when professors say that, particularly at Winthrop, they really mean it, you know, reach out, make the effort, let them know um, that you're interested and that you want to be successful. And I think that goes such a long way for first-generation students in particular. One thing we've been asking people about as we talk to all these interesting people who are connected to the Winthrop community is about their their areas of expertise. And I, and I see that you specialize in like estate planning and elder law. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we know that people often don't think about, want to think about things like the future or you know, that, that sometimes life ends and, and you need to be prepared for that. And, you know, certainly things going on right now, as many families are touched by it, and many people know people who have lost someone during this pandemic, just as an expert, you know, tell us what your advice would be to the average person about thinking about and making arrangements, plans for the future. Yeah, it's it's an interesting question. Um, you're right in that it's not popular dinner conversation, you know, to talk about dying or planning for incapacity or incompetence or, or you know, the, what you want to happen um, if you are no longer here. And you're right in that these types of situations can really sort of put that front and center for clients. Um, I What I normally tell clients is, you know, for one, I understand that. Um, for two, I know that it, it's not really the most fun thing to spend your money on, A, to pay a lawyer uh, in, at all, but B, to pay a lawyer to, you know, plan out what's going to happen if, if you die or become incapacitated. However, it's so, so, so important. And, you know, my clients that I represent on the back end who did who have family members who did not have that planning done, they are left with an absolute mess after the fact. And I can help them clean that up, but it's going to be a lot more expensive and it's going to be a lot more emotional and it's going to be a lot more time consuming and difficult for the family. So when you do this type of planning, just, you know, by virtue of, of giving it some thought ahead of time and having a good plan in place, you're really doing a service to your family members, right? Because you're, you're not here, you're not really aware to know what's going on, um, but it can really save so much money for one and so much grief and trouble for family members coming after the fact to just have a plan in place. And, and what I normally tell clients is, you know, I, I think there's this fear that just because you may come in and talk to me about those types of things that, that you know, you almost jinx yourself, like something is going to happen now that you've had the conversation. And really what we're doing is my job is to plan for your absolute worst case scenario, your absolute worst day ever, um, with the expectation and with the hope that that never happens. But 
I'm able to provide clients with that peace of mind um, that, that they have a plan in place for their family members. It's kind of like us paying homeowners insurance, you know, on our houses, for example. We all make that payment every month or every year, hoping that our house doesn't burn down. But we have that, and we have things in place to make sure that it's taken care of as it does. Well, that's sound advice that everybody should heed right there. Um, what we've been doing, um, Casey, as uh, we're talking to all our, our alum and and um, and our college professors and everything, we're we're finding out like how they're passing the time um, during this uh, the quarantine uh, for this pandemic. And uh, so we've been asking them, um, do you have a pandemic playlist? Are there some songs or, or some type of music that you're you're listening to to, to get you through this time and and kind of you know keep your spirits up? Uh, anything you've got um, that you'd like to share with us? So yeah, so pandemic playlist. So what I've been doing all day, every day, just about is continuing to work per usual. Um, just I've taken a lot of things remote and able to still connect with clients um, via video. And, and phone conference, which is great. Technology is awesome. Um, but when I do have music playing, I'm not on phone calls um, or the dog's not barking in the background. Um, I, I have been just pressing shuffle on my playlist a lot. If I'm out, it's just out and about in the house or cooking. Um, if I'm working, I like to listen to just instrumental pieces. So there's a lot of like French jazz, um, just background music, classical music in the background, um, maybe even some like pop today's hits, but instrumental versions, because I tend to get distracted by actual singing. Um, but background music is great. Um, and then, you know, I think hopefully we've all been getting a few more steps in um, during, you know, these stay at home orders because um, going a little stir crazy inside and going out and walking maybe or jogging. So in that case, again, I'm, I'm hitting shuffle on some sort of today's hit radio or just something with an upbeat, a cardio playlist um, while I try to get some fresh air and some sunshine. Luckily we've had good weather for that. Casey, I can report it's exactly 16 steps from the couch to the refrigerator and back. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I've been doing a lot more climbing up and down stairs in my house at least um, since you know my husband is working on the top floor and I am working in the basement um, and we're both trying to keep the dog you know somewhere where we can't hear him bark at the Amazon delivery drivers when we're on the phone and that's the extent of my moving around unless I actually take a break so well I think we're all in the same boat so uh, certainly understandable thank you so much for joining us we really appreciate it thank you that was Casey Ferry. She's an attorney with Crisp Cherry McCraw in Charlotte, and she's a 2009 graduate of Winthrop University. You're listening to the Eagle Air broadcast of Virtual Winthrop Day.